Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Football and Grits. It's Monday, November 1st. I almost said October 1st, which it's not. Uh, I hope you had a very uh, spooky weekend, uh, Andy. I think uh, we know Florida did. Um, we'll talk about them here in a second. Yes, did. <laughs> um, but I am your host, David Ubbin, here with my co-host, Andy Staples. Um, Andy, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, a, a big weekend in the SEC. I, I assume Florida has been to better cocktail parties. Anyone associated with Florida probably has been to better cocktail parties. We got to start there. We got a lot to talk about today. Florida, obviously, they hang around for most of that first half. Uh, the, the, the Stetson Bennett JT Daniels uh, discourse was growing, I imagine. Um, and then, of course, Georgia's defense happens and you snap your fingers and it goes from three, nothing to 24, nothing. And the game is essentially over before they get in the locker room. Uh, this morning on the athletic, our colleagues, Bruce Feldman and G Allen Taylor had a, a very revealing piece where they talked to uh, a, a dozen or so coaches around the sec about Florida. Andy, I'm going to read you one of the key quotes from that piece, Florida. They just don't play hard, said an SEC East coach. Georgia's trying to rip your head off. They might be up 30-0, to zero, and their linebackers are flying upfield to get after your ass. Florida is a finesse team. Kentucky plays hard. You watch UF on tape. They've got skill, but they're not physical. What did you make of uh, that piece? Many quotes like that. What, what did you make of that uh, frank assessment of the Gators? Well, there's nothing that's on video that would refute that. Yeah, the, LSU especially. I mean, LSU, I think, was the that, was a really eye-opening. That's exactly what we've seen from them. And it's been the, the, the recruiting piece of this, which Alan and, and Bruce get deeper into in the story, mm-hmm. has been a, a complaint about Dan Mullen since he got to Florida. And it has been one of those that's been, okay, he's doing well with the guys he has. He's developing the players he has. The thought is, okay, if you keep winning, then you're going to start reeling in those top five type classes. But – Florida's heard. not. If you, if you, they had a couple recent decommits. Their their 2022 class is in is in pretty sad shape right now. Uh, so there, there's one SEC recruiting coordinator in, in Bruce and Allen's story says they've got some really good players, but they don't have the depth of really good players that Alabama and Georgia do. Mm-hmm. Georgia's third string guys are freaks. And and this is so Dan Mullen was asked about the talent level after the game by Matt Baker from the Tampa Bay Times, and he said, well. You know, t- our talent level is better last year because we won and and it wasn't as good this year. And then he turned the question back on Matt and said, what would you say about our talent? And Matt declined his invitation. But <laughs> Matt we is don't a have to pro, decline. By the way. Yeah, yeah we, we don't have to decline his invitation. Realistically, how many of Florida's starters would start for Georgia right now? Uh, on which side of the ball? Any of them? Yes. Kyrie uh, Elam, I think, probably would take a corner spot. Yeah, maybe. He definitely, he definitely would. Uh, but, I mean, I, I feel like I, you know, I feel like Florida's got two quarterbacks that I might, I might take over Stetson Bennett. It might be a controversial okay. take, but that's that's more. There's more talent I, there. JT Daniels, I would take true. over both of those guys. Uh, that's true. I'd have to look there's, a little bit closer. Twenty at more positions. Line. Yeah, I know. I'd have to look a little bit closer at Florida's offensive line, and I don't. Uh, 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 you know that 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 might be picking nits at that point but the point is rather obvious here in that you're struggling yeah Yeah. i mean they're just they're just not as good they are not good enough to do what the fan base wants which is compete for national titles and they are not recruiting the, the the kind of players that they need to to get good enough to do that and that's the that's the major existential issue at florida and and then if you if you bring up okay well, what about a different coach? The 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 response is well, who are you going to get that's better? 
And it's a legitimate question. Yes. Who are you going to get that's going to recruit the way you want, who also can coach well enough to do? And, and that's, I mean, that's the tricky part. When you're, when you're trying to win national championships, it ain't easy. It's not supposed to be easy. And I, and, and, and the flip side of this too is, okay, well, if you're trying to play devil's advocate and defend Dan Mullen here, you're saying, well, you know, last year they had Kadarius Tony, they had Kyle Pitts, they had Kyle Trask, and those are fair points. But the bar for Florida, the reason he was hired is to turn Florida into the Alabama, the Georgia. And guess who doesn't have down years, uh, Andy? Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, they don't, their, their down year is uh, they only, you know, in Alabama's well, and, case, and, he might be peeled by two and, touchdowns and, instead of three. And Dan's saying, well, the, the, if he's just going to use the results with Georgia, saying, well, the talent level at Florida was better yeah, last year. Yeah, he glossed over some of the injuries on Georgia's yeah, team yeah, last year. But, well, no, but the thing is, you've played Georgia four times and you've lost three times. Yeah. So yeah. Is, is 25% an acceptable margin for you? Is that is that good enough? And yeah. and the other thing that, that – I, I'm pretty sure this is somebody who uh, who covers Florida who asked this question because it teed this up to to get thrown in Dan Mullen's face a lot. But here's a here's here's the question that was asked to Kirby Smart about recruiting. Hey Kirby, um, recruiting is something you obviously value and you seem to do pretty well at it with all the talent you have. Where does that sort of mindset to always sort of be recruiting come from, and why do you think you have so much success with it? Well, you have to. I mean, guys, if you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting, okay? I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because they got good players. So spending time on the phone, you know, spending time with people at your house, spending time with people when they come to your campus. You know, I, I'm not with my family when I'm doing that. My family sacrifices so that I can go and spend time with other people's families so that we have good players. So, you know, that's 25% evaluation. That's 50% recruiting. And another 25% is going to be coaching. But if you don't recruit, guys, you got no chance. Just go look. Look at the best teams out there. They got good football players. And that's the reason I believe in recruiting. And I believe you better always be recruiting. Always be recruiting because – if you're not, somebody else is. Andy, I believe the phrase was always be closing, not always be recruiting. It's it's coffee it's is the... for recruiters, David. <laughs> coffee is for recruiters. Always be recruiting. Always be recruiting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think two things with that. One, um, obviously, he's completely correct. Did you take that as he's just talking about philosophy? Or did you feel like no, that I was took it? The, that, this is the SEC, what, David. What, he's, that's no, a no, 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 no. What, so you're taking it as it was a it was a uh, semi veiled shot at at, the, at his felled uh, uh, foe, I suppose. I don't I don't believe it was veiled or semi veiled at all. <laughs> I believe it was. You want to come here and win national titles? That's what we're doing. Well, here's here's my point to that: is if if you're going to do that, why not just go all in and make it a little more obvious what you're talking about? What's the downside? If you don't to want that? the producer dancing in the video, that you, you you want the speech from the source awards? That's yeah, true. exactly, exactly. I, I I feel you know. Either way, it's pretty obviously correct, and I think. Uh, not to channel the the spirit. It's it's post Halloween, but I don't want to channel the spirit of, of Ari Wasserman, of course. But uh, I mean, this is just what recruiting is. Obviously, um, you know, you 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 have better players. You're going to win better game or more games most of the time, it, and you can find well, all these examples of opposite. But there's a re- why are Georgia and Alabama the best teams every single year? But you can't, well, you you can't find examples opposite that that are winning national titles. You can yes. find individual examples where yes. some guy who was, who was a zero star walk on becomes a first round draft pick. Yes. Those are, but in the aggregate, you need to sign top 50 players. Yeah. If you don't, you will not have a chance to win the national title. That is basically it. And you know, it, it people don't want to believe that because they want to believe that everybody has a chance and that everybody can, can, if they pull up, pull themselves up by the bootstraps, can can do it. No, you need special players if you want to win national titles. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This sort of leads into our next point, Andy, and I will ask you a, a question as we get into expanding the playoff. Would a 12-team playoff break, possibly break, our good friend Bud Elliott's uh, gospel blue-chip ratio? No. It would you don't think a team could get hot? No. It wouldn't change who wins because the only teams that could win – in that scenario where they have to win three or three in a row or four in a row against really, really, really good teams are the super talented teams, the super mm-hmm. deep teams. So the I same teams that have been right. winning national titles. Yeah. But that doesn't change the fact that everybody else has fun as they try to make the playoff. And it also doesn't change the possibility of you could, that, that team we're talking about that maybe doesn't have all of the blue chippers could shock one of those teams on a given day. Yeah. I just don't think you could do it three times in a row. So Saturday, Greg Sankey pushed back on the, uh, I guess, uh, Machiavellian image of himself a little bit (laughs) in that he was pulling all these strings from behind the scenes. Um, But there's no question that it seemed like we were uh, on a straight line to a 12-team playoff. And then when Texas and Oklahoma left – um, people have hit the brakes a little bit. Um, but Greg Snake was asked, he's, he's talked about this a couple times, but he basically said four or 12, eight with a whole bunch of automatic opportunities for conference champions does not work. And his case is that, well, okay, if you're going to bring in a Pac 12 champion or, um, you know, let's say this year Clemson upsets Wake Forest or something in the ACC mm-hmm. championship and you get a four and four or what? Well, they you know, would, they seven would, that would be a division game. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get like a seven and five, uh, you know, team in the playoff based on an automatic bid. He basically says fans would see through that. They would say that's not a legitimate, um, you know, playoff contender. The eight with all these auto bids, we don't like that. We want to do twelve. And how you get there is sort of a uh, you know uh, up for debate. We can figure that out. Now the flip side of that is I I don't necessarily think he's wrong. I think if you see a three or four loss Pac-12 champion getting in over, uh, you know, a SEC West runner-up that goes 12 and or goes 11 and one. He's probably right. Uh, That doesn't seem fair to me. But you keep the intrigue in the conference races and a lot more teams are alive, even than 12, if you talk about eight. Doesn't doesn't the 12 keep the same intrigue in the conference races when the top not six ranked conference not champions necessarily a little bit but not necessarily if you are if you are sitting there and you're um uh who's a good example um i forget i forget who, who i'm thinking of there's a there's a uh in the acc the acc is pretty wide open um but i forget exactly okay. if you're sitting there at four and four but you're three and two mm-hmm. in the acc mm-hmm. you are not getting into a 12 team playoff you're not but okay. but you get hot, you beat the right teams, and then you shock someone in the AC title game. You could still well, get there. Then then adjust the twelve teams so that you have instead of the six highest ranked conference champions, you say these conference champions. You could, you could, but then of course you get into but, as the Big Twelve is shifting. Who get, who gets those auto bids and who doesn't? That's but see, I don't I don't want to see the crappy team that that got hot and. I don't, necessarily, I don't necessarily either, but I think you can add a little bit of intrigue. I'm sort of – I generally think I agree with saying – But you're going to add, you're gonna add plenty teams. of intrigue in the – you're going to add plenty of intrigue in the 12 team with the six highest-ranked conference champs as the number six and number seven conference champ 
duke it out or or the, the if teams you're gonna, in line to be If you go 12 and you're definitely going to have auto bids, out. I would agree with you. But I think when you start debating on who well, gets they're going to have auto bids. If, if it's going to be 12, <laughs> it's going to be what they what they put out already. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 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 way Sankey's put this all along, his his position has not changed on this. They want as many at larges as there are now or more. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's probably an eight. If you would do best eight, I think he'd go for it. But the rest of them aren't going to go best eight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either way, what would you like to see, Andy? Do you like the six auto bids, six, six at large? I like the 12 one because I, I want to see the home games. They're, yeah. I still think they should have all of the games on campus until the final, but I'm never going to get what that. I want on that. So. Uh, but but I like that. I, I was laughing at the the bowl directors. Well, we don't want them to put those games on campus. Yeah, oh, sure you somebody, don't. Please think of the middlemen. Think of the yeah. poor middlemen who the combination who want to provide of you with a worse product. Exactly the combination of ease for logistics, the reward of winning a home game, and like just you're gonna have if you have a twelve awesome. team. It would be awesome. <laughs> but you're gonna have if you have a twelve team playoff. Andy, there's going to be some some not some dud games, and you're asking a lot of fans. If you're going to play three games on neutral sites. That's a lot that you're asking. I, I'm with you, and and but they're going to play three games on neutral sites anyway if they go to eight because yeah. they're they're just still so like I cannot wait until that generation completely phases out the one that got greased by the Bulls for all those yeah, years and figures out and, why and do we the need younger these generation. It's like we really don't need to give these people any money or anything. They are worthless to us. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. They're enha- they're entranced by the colored blazers, Andy. That's what it is. That's what we need to do. Our staff should just get a bunch of colored blazers, and we would have a leg True. up on on the rest of uh, college football media. I like this what idea. What color would the athletics blazers be? Well, the unfortunate truth is black, which don't really stand out. We have a very minimalist design, um, but we'd have yeah, to our, figure that's out our logo. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. we'd have to figure out something a little bit. Uh, I mean, the uh, black signature. ones would look good. Couldn't we just dress like the men in black? We come like we we, we could have neuralizers too. <laughs> I like it. That's not bad. Or maybe we could just go full Roy Kent and go black on black on black. Oh, um, oh yeah. I, yeah. I can't do a tie that skinny. I just can't. <laughs> Either way, I, I like the plan. Um, we'll have to figure it out uh, as we go on. I, I, the one other part of this, Andy, as the the SEC shifts and becomes a 16-team conference uh, here in, we'll see when exactly. You, you talk to people around the league, people are very cagey about what they what they want or what they want to see. I think people are studying it. People are saying, well, pods, divisions, no divisions, what do you want to see? It's a very awkward dance, and right now there's no deadline, so everybody can just sort of talk in theory and, well, this or that, or say things quietly. I haven't seen a lot of, like, stand at the pulpit and say, we got to do this. We got to do this. The only thing that everyone seems to agree on is that going 12 years between visiting a campus is insane. And that is not a way to operate a conference. And that's going to change. Yeah. Where do you stand on the, on the pods, divisions, no divisions thing? I I think it should be three fixed opponents, not, not a pod Mm -hmm. because the pods get, get complicated too. Even if it's four pods, I don't four, love the pods personally. With because remember, it's going to be a nine-game schedule. You know, it, every, it, they can say, "Well, we haven't decided." Yeah, they have. They're they're going to nine. So mm-hmm. the most elegant way to do it is everybody has three fixed opponents, and then you rotate everybody else through. And they're going to be there. Still, will be years where somebody gets a better draw than than somebody else. But for the most part, I think that will probably make it where the contenders for the title have a fairly even draw because it is rotating so much. I don't see the purpose for the divisions. They're already nonsensical anyway, as it stands. Um, there, there's, I don't see a need for a division. I like the, the scheduling yeah. plan of three I mean, cross-divisional and just play. you needed divisions because that was what the NCAA rule said you had to have two divisions to play a championship game, but that's gone now. They've changed Mm -hmm. that. So you don't need divisions. Divisions only hurt you. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, like with the ACC went divisionless last year, it was perfect. It was exactly the way it should be. And so the ACC, the big 10, the big 10, absolutely. The big 10 has more lopsided divisions than, than even the SEC did when the, when the East was down. 
Uh, and that doesn't feel very really simple either. <laughs> that feels yeah. very much permanent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, so, they need yeah. to get rid of them. I, I yes, I, I, I don't know that we'll see that. I think uh, a lot of coaches' bonuses may be tied to division championships or where you place, and that might help. Uh, Contracts can be rewritten. <laughs> I'm a, well, I'm not saying yes. that you do that. I'm saying that, they, that, that coaches might push for that. Because you're not going to get anything for finishing fifth in the SEC, but you might get something you, for winning the East. But winning, but you are going to get something for making an appearance in the championship game. What's what's the difference between an SEC coach getting a bonus for winning the East and a Big Twelve coach getting an appearance for making or getting a bonus for making an appearance in the championship game? Well, let's say you you could share a a, a division title and be in a three way tie, or share one, or, or all those things. Either way, I don't. The divisions serve no purpose. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know if there are going to be that much pushback, but the, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Uh, Andy, it's a big week in college football. As far as uh, what the playoff is now, it's a four-team. We know Georgia, if they're not number one, uh, something has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> what are if they're you... not number one, what do, they, what do they make the Green Bay Packers number one? Like <laughs> yes. The Rams? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who else could it be? I, I'm as far as overall, my biggest question with the committee is what they do with Cincinnati. But from an SEC perspective, Alabama is really, really interesting. Um, yeah, because if you watch them, they look like the second best team in the country. They probably don't have the second best resume. Uh, it's close. Um, but Ohio State can hang with them. And then what do you do with your undefeated teams? Michigan State's got a pretty good resume. Do I think and, they're better than Alabama? With, probably not. What do you do with the team that beat Ohio State and Columbus? Yep. Yep. It only has one loss. That that group from two to seven, Andy, you could order them in a lot of different ways. Any way you want. It is, <laughs> it is, it is real. You could make a case for just about anyone in any different order. And so where Alabama starts, and I think the, the way that this plays out is if Alabama's starting up there at number two, and they perhaps drop a game, you got to like their odds of sticking around because if you and making the playoff, but if they're starting at five or six and you lose to Auburn and you don't get in the SC championship, they're not in the playoff. It might be close if they're hanging around at number two. No, start. if they lose to Auburn, they're not in the playoff. There's no chance. There is a, there is a chance, Andy. There's not a lot of great there teams. Is, there is a 0.0% chance that Alabama will make the playoff if they lose to Auburn. All right. 0.0. 0. Right. 0.0. So. All right. <laughs> You're not betting on chaos. Andy, there's still a month left of games, and people love Alabama. Okay. That's great. If they (laughs) lose to Auburn, they're not going to be in the playoff. If they lose to Auburn, Auburn will have a better chance of making the playoff because Auburn will probably be 10 and 2 with a win against Alabama. And Auburn, by the way, Auburn at 10 and 2 is the West champ. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. But then they're probably going to lose to Georgia more than likely. Okay. Well, they might. But. They're still not going to put Alabama in the playoff if they lost to Texas A&M and they lost Auburn. If they finish third in the SEC West, they're not putting them in the playoff. <laughs> Andy, that assumes that A&M is going to keep winning, though. I don't know. Well, actually, well, that what I just said assumes that uh, that Auburn beats A&M this weekend, which I have yes. no idea what's going to happen in that game. I, I don't. Either. I'm very excited for that one. Both of those teams have been a little bit all over the place. Um, either way. Uh, Tonight or Tuesday night is going to be fascinating to see what they do. What do you make of this Auburn team, Andy? Because early in the season, you know, they 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 demolish a couple bad teams. They hang around against Penn State. Penn State has kind of slipped. Um, but since then, they've gotten hot after the Georgia State sort of debacle turned miracle. You go 96 yards and then with your backup quarterback and TJ Finley. Uh, and then you go back to, to Bo Nix. And... Auburn, you watch them, they don't jump off the page at you, but they're definitely at their best when they're leaning on Tank Bigsby and then letting Bo Nix make some plays when he needs to um, and not asking him to throw the ball 45 times a game. Um, But we saw Tank Bigsby, 23 carries, uh, tied his season high this week against Ole Miss. They're taking advantage of some of those soft boxes that that Ole Miss throws up there with that 3-2-6 alignment. All that stuff, I mean – Andy, it comes down to how good do we think Auburn is at this point? I think they're finding themselves. I think they've, they've somewhat found an identity. They're the, improving, the question is, which is nice. Right. Can you do that against the level of talent you're going to see this weekend? Like, can you run on a Texas A&M defensive line 
the way you ran on Ole Misses? No. And the answer is probably not. <laughs> but your defense, which shut, you know, didn't shut down Ole Miss completely, but held them down enough. Mm-hmm. Your defense should be able to keep A and M from scoring a bunch of points. Like I, I do think Auburn has a great chance to win this game. They do. I A and M. I don't think is going to be able to score 27, 24 points. I think it's going to be a pretty low scoring game, at least on Auburn's side. I mean, on Texas A and M side. And what can they do down the field? What can they do to loosen up the uh, the A and M front? Can you prevent A and M from consistently getting pressure with four guys, which they've done to some teams? Not everyone oh. consistently. DeMarvin De- 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 Leal makes a very big difference because you can put him yes. anywhere. That, the, the, the scary part of DeMarvin Leal is, is he's 290, but he can come off the edge. But he's 290, so you can put him – I mean, they'll put him at nose. They put him at nose against South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like South Carolina, uh, I believe uh, Cole Kubelik mentioned this on the broadcast of A&M South Carolina. Like, it, they, the South Carolina plan, I think, was to slide protection to wherever DeMarvin Leal was. He used the nose. You can't slide protection to a nose. Like <laughs> as as Cole put it, like what what is sliding protection to a nose? Is it a field goal? Is it the field goal block? Are you field goal blocking? <laughs> like that's that's what that is. So he is such a weapon for Texas A and M, and that will make it hard for for all of their opponents going forward uh, when they're trying to game plan their protections. And so that's that's what Auburn's got to figure out is how do you. How do you keep Bo Nix safe? Now, I will say, I don't know if this is something that Brian Harson and Mike Bobo consciously have said to Bo Nix. Hey, feel feel free to roam a little more, or mm-hmm. or if they if if it's just the way it's working out. But it does feel like he's using his athleticism in a more controlled way, not in, not in a way of I'm a good athlete. I have to make something happen. So I'm just going to go crazy here. It, it does feel like he's he's very much in control of what he's doing behind the line of scrimmage as they try to set up passes. And a, a guy of his athletic ability, look, he's not a sitting duck back there. He can move around, and even if you have a good pass rush, he might, as, as LSU unfortunately learned, he's he might get away and make a play. So I, I just I I like the way Auburn is trending. And the fact that they are in control of everything for themselves makes this really intriguing. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Field will be rocking this weekend. Uh, they're a little salty. They didn't get game day this weekend, but uh, we'll see. Uh, either way, you know what we haven't talked about in a long time, Andy, is Bo Nix off his back foot. And some of those mechanics, <laughs> no. when, he needs, when he needs to make a throw, he's making those throws. Uh, and then of course, you know, the athletic ability, the scrambling thing, he, he feels like he has a much better feel for it. He's not bailing out of clean pockets. We saw that a little bit when he was a little yep. bit younger. Now he, he, he seems to be a little more patient eyes in the right place, uh, downfield. And then we you know when he's making those crazy scramble plays, he's not opening his hips up, rolling to his left and throwing across the field to his right. Right. Trying to make the right. Brett Favre play. He's making play. a reasonable throw. Yeah, he. We haven't seen. Even I haven't though, seen him. Even though on those, he's doing on those some plays. less than reasonable things. Yeah, yeah, on those plays where he's running around and uh, uh, and just sort of playing backyard football, he hasn't made a throw where you're just like, "That is an insane idea," and that's a pick eight times out of ten. He's not doing that, um, and that I think is growth. Uh, you're 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 not forcing him to be something that he's not, and you are leaning into the things that make him a really good player that made him such a sought after prospect initially. And I think a lot of people had their doubts that, that Brian Harson was going to be able to do that in the way that his offense works, because we haven't seen that guy. He hadn't had that guy at Texas at Boise. He didn't really do that that much. And uh, he's got one now and he's, he's let him doing, letting him do what he does best. And, and Auburn is, is, uh, is benefiting. But like I said, in the same breath, when they need to, they're not getting away from Tank Bigsby. And I think if you do that, if you give Tank Bigsby 11 carries and you ask Bo Nix to throw the ball 40 times, that's a, that's a recipe for a loss. And we haven't seen that as much. Yeah, well, and, and also Jarquez Hunter. Let's not forget, he's averaging yes. 7.7 yards a carry. He's incredible. Really good player. That's he's a, the I mean, guy that makes as a what, as, future. As one-two punches go in a, in a backfield, is there a better one in the country? Oh, I'd have to look. Before the season, I might have said the Aggies. Um, but they've been a little bit underwhelming in part because of the offensive line. Uh, if you flip the backs and the offensive line from A&M and, and Auburn, I might've said maybe, 
Um, but uh, I'd have to look. Certainly, certainly not in the SEC. I would say, uh, but I will say, Andy, you know, there's one SEC head coach I talked to this year who believes Tank is the best player in the SEC, and that surprised me. But you watch him when he really gets rolling. I mean, the Tank nickname is is very apt because you see him hit somebody and he's getting three or four more yards after he gets double, you know, the two guys are gang tackling him and that adds up over time. And he, and not to compare him to Derrick Henry, uh, but over four quarters, you get tired of that. And, yeah. and yeah, you don't want to tackle that, that for four no, quarters. No, uh, because he's not a guy that's going to go down soft. He's going to lower his head and run through your chest and you might bring him down. But again, in the fourth quarter, you're getting a little tired of that, and, and Ole Miss looked a little tired of that uh, as Auburn kind of salted that game away. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On the other side of the the conference, Andy, what what, what did we make of Kentucky? I I, I thought they were in real trouble in this ballgame. I thought it it was going to be a rough spot for them going into Starkville, a Mississippi State team that's probably underrated. Um, that has some some really good defensive pieces. We've talked on this podcast about the three three five. Who knows if that's exactly why Will Levis struggled as much as he did? He didn't seem to be seeing things very well. Season high three picks for him. They were forcing it a little bit. Just a. Are you concerned about Kentucky down the stretch? They got Tennessee this week. A very losable game. Tennessee has played really strong. It, 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 we were talking about a twelve and one or 11 and one Kentucky team last week is eight and four. Something you're concerned about coming down the stretch here. Not really. I mean, I, I, they, they've had a sloppy game. They had a sloppy game against South Carolina before, but listen, this is the only week I'd really worry about them losing. Mm-hmm. Even if they're sloppy, I think they can beat everybody else in their schedule, even if they play a bad game. Uh, but Tennessee, they, they, they're going to have to play well to beat Tennessee. You need your a minus game. Them. If you're Kentucky to win that game. Yeah, they're gonna have to score with Tennessee, and I mean, what a what a win for Tennessee that would be. Yeah, because this is a game that looked unwinnable probably a month ago, a month and a yeah. half ago, and and now it's it because I mean, if we're gonna talk about tiers in the SEC East, obviously Georgia rules all, but if Tennessee beats Kentucky. That's a pretty big mishmash under Georgia. Yeah. And and yeah. And, and probably Tennessee didn't think they would no probably nobody at Tennessee thought they could be in that tier this soon. But maybe they can. Well, I think one thing, you know, the thing with the, that I that jumps out to me about Tennessee, and I think they got a great shot to win this weekend. But the problem that we've seen with Tennessee is the is weirdly the talent you know, has not matched up to the production. But now when you have one of the least talented teams that Tennessee's had in a long time, when they've played, you know, they look well coached because look, South Carolina and Missouri, very comparable talents to where Tennessee is at. And Tennessee right. beat the stuffing out of both of those teams. Kentucky yeah. is not in another world compared to where Tennessee is. They're, they're a little bit more experienced. They have more talent, but from top to bottom, it's not like you're comparing, you know, Georgia with, uh, you know, uh, Purdue or something like that. Um, they're they're pretty close. So, you know, th- this Tennessee team looks very well coached. They haven't had a game where it's just really a disaster. 
Kentucky's had what two of them now? If you can count Chattanooga, uh, maybe well, three. If you want to count, count South Carolina, uh, South Carolina, yeah. yeah. So it's it's possible. I mean, those games have happened. I, I do. I, I think they come back pretty strong from this one. You know, they they played like right after South Carolina, they played Florida, and they played one of their best games mm-hmm. against Florida. So you know, maybe maybe they bounce back and they played okay. Against a lot Georgia. of the things. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it matters. They got out healthy, and they had a pretty good game plan, uh, and they and they covered at the last second. <laughs> yeah. So I just – I'm excited for this game because of, of what it could mean for, for Tennessee. But for Kentucky, I mean, you win this one, you're in really good shape. You're, you're looking at a 10-win season. And yeah. that's I, – I, I talked to Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio – over the summer. And he was the only one saying, Hey, this could be a 10 win team. And I was like, yeah, well, whatever. I mean, I thought they were going to be good. I, I said they were yeah. probably going to be my, we were both pretty high on Kentucky coming into the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but 10 wins seemed like a bit of a stretch. Yeah. If they win this one, they're, they're probably winning 10. Yeah, I would agree. I think the, for, from the Tennessee perspective, you know, coming into the year, they look like six and six with a shot to go five and seven. Now they're cruising to six and six with a shot this weekend, really, to go seven and five. You're, you're not going to beat Georgia, but it's tough to see them losing to South Alabama or Vandy. This this game really does decide a lot, I think, for both of these teams. A massive, massive game. Uh, and Tennessee has done this before uh, in 18, a really good Kentucky team. Uh, and with Benny Snell, uh, Terry Wilson, and Tennessee – beat the heck out of them in, in Neyland stadium. So this will be a fun one. I think one of the, one of the, the more interesting games uh, of the weekend for sure. Um, and, and like I said, it's only November 1st, but this is a game that I think it's really going to tell you a lot about how these two seasons end up. How about Fayetteville where you've got two teams vying for bowl eligibility that, that when you looked at the beginning of the season and how deep the sec West was going to be, is like, okay, these teams are both better but where are the wins going to come from? Mm-hmm. They've found them. They've found them in, in various places. So Mississippi State coming off the winning Kentucky, Arkansas trying to win number six and go to a bowl game, which you know a couple of years ago would have seemed impossible. Who, who do you think wins this one? Well, it's been a while since we've seen um, Arkansas really look like a team that uh, that they look like early in the season. I think Arkansas matches up well. That that you know they live in that rush three drop eight. And can you force Will Rogers into some mistakes? Can you get him a little frustrated to force the ball downfield? Do some things. Uh, get tired of running mesh eight hundred times and, and taking that four yard completion. Uh, I like Arkansas in this ball game. I think they can win that battle up front. Uh. Mississippi State's defensive front is really, really good. Um, but KJ Jefferson has has proved himself this year as a guy who, you know, when you want to stack the box, he's going to make you respect his arm, make some plays downfield. Traylon Burks can obviously make a ton of plays on uh, contested balls. If he's if he's one on one and there's no safety help, he's probably going to make a play uh, a handful of times in a game. So I like Arkansas in that ball game. Uh, obviously. Uh, should be a pretty good atmosphere in Fayetteville, a big one. To get to a bowl game will be massive. And then, uh, Andy, the other game that people are sleeping on this week, Hugh Freeze's return to Oxford. Before we get to that, let me let me, let me me point something out because I was just scrolling through the, the game list this yes. week. It's LSU-Alabama week. We have yeah. not even mentioned it. Well, like that- I was I was literally thinking of that. But LSU just feels like it's hard to really even. Right, they fired their coach. I mean, it's like what are we even? Alabama's doing with better. Yeah, yeah, it's like what are we even doing with LSU over the next month? It's kind of like none. Of, it feels like none of this really matters. It's real. There's a real senioritis situation in Baton Rouge at this point. The, the problem. The problem is, and not problem for us. The problem for teams that might have to play. I don't think this is going to be an issue for Alabama, but I do think down the stretch, they still have really good players. They do. So you could still very much lose to LSU, even though you're not even thinking. You're like, oh, they fired their coach. What do they care? No, <laughs> they, they can still be. So I don't think that's going to happen to Alabama this week. But, uh, you know, I listen, 
these are really we we you know we were going through that when we we're talking about Florida and Georgia. Well, LSU's talent level is above Florida's. I believe the uh, I was looking at the line the line on that game twenty eight and a half points. Now that's disrespectful for the talent level at LSU. (laughs) All right. Well, back back to back to Oxford and and the Hugh Freeze return to Oxford. I think if Liberty was better this year, this would be a much more spicy game. Uh, Liberty Liberty has lost to to Syracuse, which look Syracuse has actually turned out to be pretty good. But Louisiana Monroe, yeah, the Monroe game. I thought Liberty coming into the season, they smelled like a New Year's Six contender doing the having the type of mm-hmm. season that we saw from coastal uh not quite to the level of cincinnati cincinnati is a different sort of animal um but when you're playing in the sun belt and you've got are they still independent they're in the sun belt they're independent right? they're yeah independent. they're they're independent they're not going into the new sun belt maybe they get into the new conference usa yes uh but when you're at that level and you have a first round pick at quarterback you're gonna be able to do some special things and malik willis He's looked a little a little spotty in places this year, uh, but they can still score some points. It's still going to be a fun game, Andy. Uh, well, and, and Ole Miss with their receiver situation, they're, they're very depleted at receiver. Yes. So uh, will they be? And then Matt Corral, you know, he came back and played on that ankle against Ole Miss, against Auburn. If nothing's broken, I think he'll be okay. That's the thing. I, I, when he came out, it looked like it. You know, you don't want to guess Achilles, but it was a weird hit. It didn't look like it. He didn't look like it. You know, you didn't see the crazy roll. It kind of he got tackled kind of awkwardly, and it looked like when he when he like he was laying on the ground and his other foot was like shaking. He was in a ton of pain. Um, yeah, and it looked really really bad. But if nothing's broken, you know, even if it's something sprained, I think we're going to see Matt Corral on the field. I'll be shocked if we don't. Um, but. So. Can he be? Can he look like he did? He he was he looked pretty healthy on Saturday night. But can he? Can he? Yeah, do that I mean, after he was he was running for touchdowns in the second half, so mm-hmm. I, I think he'd be all right. But uh, if Ole Miss is is mostly okay health wise, if you know, they're they're going to win this game, mm-hmm. and I don't know that there's going to be any sort of catharsis. Uh, Hugh Freeze, uh, I'm sure doesn't doesn't feel any fondness <laughs> coming back because because everybody's going to be yelling at him. Uh, but it it is amazing to think that six years ago he had them one crazy Hunter Henry lateral away from winning the SEC West. Mm-hmm. Still one of the, uh, the, the wildest plays in the history of maybe college football, Andy, that's probably top oh, 10 yeah. in college football. Absolutely. I remember watching it and being like, why aren't the announcers more excited about what's <laughs> happening here? But maybe they were just confused or just amazed by what was happening in front of their eyes, and they just they didn't know what to do. Maybe we may, we may need a retrospective on that play at some point. Uh, I need a uh, is there an anniversary of that play coming up? We have to do something along those lines. That's a good story idea. It's six years, so it's not. A, there's no nice round number coming. <laughs> we got to wait till 2025 to get the tenure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Hunter Andy, Henry will be deep into his NFL career at that point. So, yeah, Andy, over under on the amount of hundred yard rushers for Georgia on Saturday against Missouri. If if I give you two point five, I'm gonna go under. Okay, because isn't uh, Kendall Milton's hurt still, or is he gonna be back? I don't Do imagine he's gonna, gonna get a high volume of carries on Saturday. So if it's three, it's gonna have to be Zamir, uh, James Cook, and and. Kenny McIntosh that all three of them do. Very I think somebody, somebody gets hot. Somebody (laughs) it's so hard to evenly distribute those things. Yeah. Well, we got to get in on it. Do I, do I think Georgia rolls in this game? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andy, it's been good. Football and grits another week, but we haven't talked much grits lately. Andy, not grits, specific, <laughs> not grits specifically, but grits theoretically. The yeah. best meal that you've had in the last month or so since we've since we've been able to to chat this up. It was probably yesterday morning. I so really I've been counting calories. I'm I'm down I'm down 16 pounds since I started. Nice. And That's hard to do during the season, strange, Andy. But, I tip my cap. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm not getting so I'm not getting a lot of exotic meals in. But Halloween was a cheat day for me, so rules are off. And we went to the biscuit place up in front of my neighborhood and I got the, uh, the five and dime, which is, uh, is fried chicken, cheddar, bacon on a biscuit, 
covered in gravy. And then I got six extra biscuits to <laughs> to mop up the gravy with. Six extra biscuits. Heaven. I can't do that much carbs, man. That is a lot. I didn't I didn't eat all six. I <laughs> what my one of my kids my kids took one of them, so I ended up eating five of them. Yeah. Well, that's good. The uh uh I'm still a sucker for just anyone that's serving bacon burn ends in any in any capacity. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm not a big I've made them. They're they're not hard to make. Yeah, I've so, made them on my I've made them on my smoker yeah. a little bit. They're they're Yeah, most grocery stores carry pork belly now and it, it, they're yeah. pretty easy to do. Mhm. I would recommend it and it's not as it's not as intense as uh, you know, a brisket or uh, something no, couple, it's pretty. It's pretty idiot proof. There's a lot of fat on the. I would on say it's slightly belly. more. I'd say it's slightly more difficult than a pork shoulder, just because that's like almost impossible to screw up. Right. Um, Set it and forget it. Yeah, but it's still. Uh, you know, I'm. A, I'm a big. Are you a big spritzer, Andy, with the apple cider, apple cider vinegar? Not really, because I I have an egg, so you're really not yeah. supposed to be lifting that lid very often. Yeah, uh, I have a pellet grill. The doubles as a smoker. I need to. I need to do a test group because I feel like I'm not sure it's doing that much, but maybe it is. Mm. We'll see. Well, the pellet grills. Listen, I know people people bag on the pellet grills, but you're getting wood smoke. You're getting yes. real wood flavor. I, that can't be bad. Yeah. Like, yes, we would all love to have our own custom rig where, <laughs> like, if, we're, if we lived in Texas, we could feed post oak into it and smoke brisket. But let's be honest. How, how many of us ha- actually have time to do that? I don't. I can tell you I don't. I will buy my bag of pellets and I will feed them into the hopper and it's wonderful. And it I probably been using makes your steak. Your, probably your burgers and steaks are awesome. Yes. On that because you're getting you're getting the wood smoke on on that, which, you know, usually you have to go to a place that specializes in, in a wood grill mm-hmm. to make that happen. There's only a few of those. Um, I mean, there's some, but uh yeah, I think that would be the one that that stands out. I'm trying to. I did go to uh, a uh, when I was covering Georgia and Kentucky a couple weeks ago. I, I met up with some family and went to. Uh, uh, f- I believe it's Fan Thai. I forget the name of it. Mm-hmm. It's an, uh, it was an unbelievable Thai place, and we ordered this uh, a full. It's a full tree of Thai appetizers. It's like six different things. Ooh. On this, like in a tree, in in tree, in form. tree form. I like this. in tree form. It's like a rack, and then there's like six different plates. There's like spring rolls, and then there's uh, I forget what all it was. All of it was very, very good. Uh, so this is like this is it. like the the seafood tower at a steakhouse, except it's a it's a tree. Yeah, and a lot of it was fried. To be fair, but it was all very good. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it was all very, very good. Uh, so I uh, I need to I, I forgot the name of it, but it is uh, in downtown Atlanta. Very good place. Uh, I believe it's fan tie, something along those lines. Uh, that stands out to me as one of the best things I've eaten. Not exactly southern food, Andy, but still very good. If we're talking Atlanta, I, I, I don't because I don't think we've talked about this since I went. Um, the last time I was up in Atlanta, I went to Socks Love Barbecue in Cumming, Georgia. Uh, okay. Matt Stenchcomb, the former Georgia offensive lineman, college football Hall of Famer, you see him on SEC Network. He recommended it, and it's awesome. If if you are up that way, if you're north of Atlanta and and you're hungry, it's get the uh, get the pulled pork. They do turkey really well. Uh, they do brisket well uh, as well. It, it was it was outstanding. Good mac and cheese. So whenever I, I can was, get uh, good brisket, very very I've, pleased. I've given up on finding strong brisket in the state of Tennessee, Andy. And anytime I can find it, yeah, uh, it's 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 a it's a treat because there are not many places. I, I know that they. They've got brisket places in Charleston where guys have come from Austin mm-hmm. to do it. Um, the Smoking Pig in Pendleton, South Carolina, and up near Clemson does does very good brisket. Um, in Florida, the original Four River Smokehouse always did uh, down in Winter Park. Always did really good brisket. And the the Four River Satellite locations, I got to be honest, the brisket's not bad. Like mm-hmm. it's it's better than anywhere else you're going to get in Florida and and most of the South that isn't Texas. We on the Staples cast this weekend. We talked a little bit about the bearded pig, but Andy, I knew I was in a very good spot when the first time I went to the bearded pig in Jacksonville. I ordered the brisket, and they asked me if I wanted it fatty or lean. People do not ask yeah. that question outside of Texas and, and a few other spots, and that's when I know. Oh, that's, they know what they're doing. <laughs> well, bearded bearded pig has an incredible beef rib. That's yes. that's the move at bearded pig. Now, if you're gonna if you're dining by yourself, uh, you're gonna, that's a lot of food, but yeah. I can I can take one. 
<laughs> I, and they also do they also do the uh, the brisket poutine at Bearded Pig, which is See, really I, delicious. I like poutine more in theory than I do in practice. Like I I like it as a concept, and then I start eating it, and the first it's a little bit like a cinnabon to me in that sense. And that the first okay, few neither, bites, neither of these things are bad. <laughs> No, but the first few Both bites, these I'm always are like, amazing. The first few bites, I'm like, "Oh, this is amazing! I love this." And then I get about six or seven bites in, and I'm like, "Oh, this was no, a lot." See, this was a lot. That never gets a <laughs> yes. It's a lot. Give me more of a lot. That's, oh man, the pu- well, poutine. I think I think my same reasons. I think my body is just not prepared for it. I like my cheese curds uh, a little more fried than just sort of chilling. <laughs> well, that's a. When you get the southern variations on poutine, the the cheese curds they'll they'll do different things. Either they won't include the cheese curds, or they'll have some cheese in some other form mm-hmm. because maybe they they figure the palates aren't quite ready for for cheese curds. There was a place I went to in Louisville one time that did their poutine with sausage gravy, and it was awesome. Like a <laughs> like a white gravy with sausage. Yeah, like what you like when you do like a gravy. Yeah, that, interesting. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot of room for there's a lot of room for uh, uh, innovation in poutine, which I respect. I do like that. I want to start. So my neighbor and I have talked about this. I want to start a poutine takeout spot in college towns next to the bar district. Like <laughs> when when I was a student at Florida, Five Star Pizza would have people standing outside the bars with a big you know the big warmer bags full of pepperoni and cheese pizzas. And they'd sell them for five bucks a pop and they just, you know, clean them out. And, and they, I mean, it costs a dollar to make them. So they're making big profits off this. I want like a poutine window and you can do, you have like five variations. You have like a classic poutine, you do Southern poutine with the sausage gravy. Um, you do a couple different, you know, different regional variations on it and just drunk college kids forking over eight bucks for fries <laughs> and gravy with a little tiny smattering of meat. I mean, it, it our cost is like a dollar fifty. We charge eight to ten bucks, and they're in heaven. There you go, Andy. I'm glad you have a backup plan if this journalism thing doesn't work out. I, I you always need to. You just <laughs> never know. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to football and uh, and finally football and actual grits. Uh, there's been a lot of football, Andy. We haven't had enough time to talk food uh, as much this. Well, this uh, speaking of grits, that that biscuit place I'm talking about at the front of my neighborhood, they cut the grits with cream cheese. Mm. David, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. That's what I should have been doing my entire life. <laughs> I've been eating grits for a long time. That makes a big difference. It's outstanding. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I'm gonna have to try that. There's a uh, there's the the Maple Street Biscuit Company. There's one very close to me. I need to hit that up. Andy, it's been a good week. Looking forward to another uh, interesting week of people getting mad about the committee's rankings. I'm sure that won't happen this week. Uh, and and uh, and people trying to fire their coach after Saturday's games. I'm sure that won't happen either. Uh, it's gonna be a fun week across the SEC. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Football and Grits. Uh, Subscribe if you haven't already. Get this show delivered directly to your device. I am David Ubbin for Andy Staples. This has been Football and Grits. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you again next week. 